0: This is a Radio.com original. And Rona Martin introduced me, you know, and uh, 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 one guy said, uh, 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 what, you have a new act for us today? He said, yeah, I got this guy, who does an impression of a fork, and he said, well, where'd you find him? I said, what do you mean, where'd I find him? I was having dinner and he was next to my plate. Next week, he's gonna come on and do his impression of a knife and stab himself with himself.
1: And welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars podcast, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities and others in the car industry. I'm Randy Cardoon, and this week we go boldly where we've never gone before as a podcast. I interview a celebrity who makes his living wearing a paper bag on his head. But first... What's new in the car industry, you may ask? Well, I'm glad you did. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any place to go from here. We go to another place where we haven't gone before a new segment and a new theme song. Are you guys ready in the Talking About Cars podcast, kazoo band? Are you guys ready? Okay, get ready. Here we go as we welcome the Hot Rod Bob (laughs) Report. Teslas and drag racing.
2: Well, what they found out, and what uh, one of the tracks at least has, has stated, is they're not going to allow electric vehicles. It's not just Tesla, but Tesla is the biggest of the electric vehicles, is they do not have the safety equipment necessary should one crash and catch fire. And there's already been a couple of documented cases of Tesla fires on the street. But as far as drag racing, they just kind of figured they're coming out now. we got to do something. How do we put out these fires? And it's a little tricky and a little difficult. Currently, they do not have the equipment to do so.
1: So we're talking about equipment. Are we talking about uh, racing harness, for, or is this only based on the fires that could happen?
2: Only based on the fire. Uh, there's a certain NHRA standard or drag racing standard as to what safety equipment you have to have, depending on how fast the vehicle is. That stays true regardless of whether it's electric or gas or diesel power. You have to have a helmet. You have to have a certain uh, level of jacket or pants or shoes, depending on how fast the car is. And then you need a roll cage, depending, again, based on how fast the vehicle is. Those aren't the issues in this car. The the issue is the makeup of the lithium-ion batteries, what happens when they catch fire, and what you use to put them out. And the same thing could be said of magnesium. Uh, if people remember flash bulbs, I know it's a, it's a stretch, but if you go flash
1: back. Bulbs, you, flash, flash bulbs. Flash bulbs. Those are the things they had on,
2: on cameras. They had this funny-looking wireless, uh, you know, like uh, a Brillo pad on the inside. Oh, it was magnesium. Magnesium burns very quickly, very hot, and it's metal, but it catches fire. Uh, in this case, the Tesla batteries, the the lithium-ion can Catch fire, what do you use to put them out? And drag strips just don't have that type of uh, equipment yet. Now, are they going to have to go to it? Well, chances are they are with the advent of uh, more and more electric vehicles and people coming on. Let's say, well, we've got a bunch of enthusiasts that come out to Irwindale with the teslas and they're having some fun out there having you know racing with everybody oh sure
1: and especially when they you've ever seen a tesla go up and you against any car whether it be a dodge um demon or similar vehicle that is gas fed and then you go ahead and put it because of the because of the actual torque when it takes off i mean those electric vehicles boom they're gone and they could knock off a Demon with, uh, you know, close to 800, 900 horsepower, just like that.
2: Yeah, we're, we're seeing them run at Irwindale. We've seen one dip into the six-second zone in the eighth mile. Most of them are running in the low sevens, which is equivalent to the Dodge uh, Hellcat, at least the Demons for the, uh, the unexperienced drivers, but the, uh, even an experienced driver in a, in a Hellcat. It's only running 7.0s, 7.20s, 7.30s, and that is that is right where the Teslas are. And, you know, they're sitting back there, the air conditioning's on, radio's going, you know, a nice comfortable ride.
1: <laughs> you could do a chauffeur, basically, uh, in a Tesla and, and still beat the guy in the next lane.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, yeah. they're just amazing. It's Like you're saying, it's instant torque as soon as you hit the throttle pedal.
1: That's unbelievable. So really, the biggest problem then isn't necessarily what the drivers have to deal with. It's the actual raceways and and how they have to have this stuff on uh, standby. You had mentioned uh, the situation regarding what you put on these cars fire-wise. I mean, you you, you see the uh, canisters that are used to put fires out in, in gasoline vehicles. You can't use the same thing on an electric vehicle.
2: No, it's not effective, and they need more of the type of equipment that you have at, at an airport, I guess you could say. They, they need I don't know if it's the foam they need or what they need, but it can't be a liquid that will transfer electricity. And that's, I think, one of their concerns. Now, one of the, uh, the, the fire safety crew from Irwindale did send me a note saying it's just not the equipment. He didn't tell me what equipment they need. But he said even the the biggest racetracks in the country do not have the proper equipment for a battery fire of that nature.
1: Just out of curiosity, have you ever seen anything other than a Tesla try and race electric Probably vehicle sure.
2: wise? Yeah, we had someone come out with a leaf one time and, you know, we turned the sand clock over and and timed it with that. You probably could have Uh,
1: taken a nap by the time it showed up and uh, actually passed the line.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're not noted for their speed. The Teslas, on the other hand, they've got lots of horsepower, lots of torque, and and it's instant all-wheel drive, too, because you've got motors at all the wheels on the Tesla. A leaf.
1: What kind of time did that turn in?
2: uh, I don't remember. We we did take a break in between runs, though. (laughs)
1: Actually, you probably could have taken a break during a run. I think probably would have been right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, they tried to do a burnout, but they they couldn't even spin the tires in the water.
1: In the but, water. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. The, the fun, the funny part though is the car. Yeah, but the funny part too is when you get out to the pits to charge them up, they have to tra- start up a gas powered generator.
1: Funny how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah you. Just you keep doing went, that.
2: Yeah, I know. And I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for, you know, when someone calls up AAA and says, my batteries have run dead. I need a jumper. And they come out with a diesel-powered pickup truck pulling a generator.
1: Yeah. And I wonder where that power came from. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to keep an eye on that for you and uh, see how that's going to work out in case you want to take your Tesla out. At Irwindale, you still can, though, take your Tesla out if you're locally here in Southern California, correct?
2: Yeah, what the uh, track back east has said has not filtered to the other tracks yet. Okay, I don't think they're uh, they're all that concerned. The the cars are very stable. They're not running that fast that they're getting out of out of hand.
1: Big story we've been doing the last few weeks. You joined us a couple of weeks ago to talk about uh, the history of the Corvette, and here we are less than I want to say a week. Is it been since the Tustin airplane hangar? Yeah, all twenty. Yeah. According to Haggerty. All 2020s may have been spoken for already from the buyer's market.
2: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And no one knows what the price exactly is going to be. Uh, you and I were at the reveal at uh, the Peterson Automotive Museum this Sunday. That's right. And the word we got there was the one that they showed us, which was not really highly optioned, was about $70,000. And they're saying the base is around 64000
1: and what was that thing you did where, or maybe it wasn't you, oh, you know who it was? It was Steven, our buddy who's the photographer. Yeah. Um, and he apparently had a woman there who is kind mm-hmm. of a contortionist, and she kind of got herself into that front trunk area.
2: Yeah. I mean, that that was amazing. We've got the photographs that you've posted them, I believe I've posted them, uh, where this young lady was able to get into the – they're, they're calling. They're not calling it a trunk. They're calling it a frunk or something because it's up in A trunk. frunk,
1: F-R-U-N-K. A F-R-U-N-K.
2: Yeah, and she was able to get into this thing and just about hide herself completely in the frunk. Frunk. Or funk, whatever it is, you know, the, the frunk, because it's a trunk in the front. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since the Corvair, Chevrolet has not had something like that, but— uh, this was nice and small, but it was able. She was very flexible, as Steve told us. Stephen and Russo, she,
1: who of course is a photographer, well known in this area.
2: Yeah, and uh, she was able to get in and 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 move her way around within it. There's another trunk in the back that's large enough for a set of golf clubs. So we know where the engineers were, were planning.
1: Exactly. Well, what what's the story? My wife is uh, was a college golfer at Texas. And she always loves to tell the story about how she had a 69 Camaro. And apparently the reason that uh, she lost that 69 Camaro was because her grandparents decided, well, she needed a car that she could carry her golf clubs in. Ah. And they bought her a duster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how long it was before she talked to her grandparents again. But what didn't they also make cars in the 30s that actually had like a little golf club area where you can there was a little kind of a trap door I guess or a little door on the side of the car where you could yeah, open well- it and just slip the golf clubs in.
2: Yeah, it was a golf club door. It was—I you know, saw it on a number of Packards mm-hmm. and Highline vehicles of the time, and it's just a little door about the size of a bag of golf clubs. You opened it up, you slid the golf clubs in sideways, or you know, length-widthwise of the car, and close the door and that's where you kept your golf clubs out of way out of sight out of mind probably underneath the back seat if it had a back seat or behind the front seat on the uh, roadster two-seaters
1: and the circumference we're talking about is let's say you have the golf clubs and you're looking down on them and then that's about the area of the door because you would slide it in that way and lengthwise it would go in it's not a lengthwise door but it, it it was always an interesting side deal and uh I, I'm rather fascinated about the whole deal with the uh, new C8 and how uh, that's going to work out for some of the people out there. You know, How many C8s are they going to make? I never saw any numbers on that.
2: I don't know. And I think the, the number is somewhere between twenty-five and, and 40,000 the first mm-hmm. year. Uh, I know they're expecting uh, expected a good response. They've gotten an excellent response. And uh, when they say all the vehicles are, are spoken, I don't know if that's actual retail sales or wholesale sales. In other words, uh, the wholesale would be to the dealer. Now, whether or not the dealers have retailed them or sold them to consumers, that's yet to be seen.
1: What? They wouldn't sell all the cars that they got?
2: Well, it's not that. It's the reported sales. Oh, At oh, this I point, they have, okay. there hasn't been any retail sales. No customers have taken delivery for what's sold. So what probably is, is that, the, yes, every Corvette that is being produced for this year, a dealer has placed an order for Whether or not they will will retail them is another thing. And the other thing we're going to look at, too, and we're seeing it already with the uh, Supra. What is the dealer markup on top of the manufacturer's MSRP? Uh, I just saw a new Supra where the dealer markup was $50,000 on a $54,000 car. Yikes. So does he really want to sell it, or is he, you know... What's he doing? And it seems like any car that comes out, even the seventh generation Corvette, when it came out uh, in in two thousand fourteen, uh, they were selling them over list price because the demand was that strong. But that's normal
1: I, though when a car comes out for the first hell time. Yeah,
2: especially something as exciting as this. Mm-hmm. This is the first mid-engine Corvette ever production. They've had a number of different prototypes that they came up with, never to fruition. But they have been toying with the idea of a mid-engine car, and Argus Duntoff, who was one of the lead engineers or the lead engineer on the Corvette in the early days, he was pushing for that back in the 60s. So here it is, finally, and it's an amazing car. You and I saw it. It is definitely going to be a world-class beater.
1: Yeah, it's going to, a world-class beater.
2: Leader, leader, leader. Oh, okay. It's going to beat, it's going to beat the world-class cars.
1: I'm going to have to check this now to see whether or not I have to edit that out. Okay. There
2: you go. Okay. I heard you say beater, and I went, what? Yes. Yes, I did. I did. I, you know, oh, you did? My mind, yes, my mind was working quicker than my mouth could move.
1: Okay. Well, then I'll just leave this in and make us
2: both look silly. That'll be great. <laughs> there we go. That's yeah. what we do. Outtakes will be available later on today. yeah
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, Bob joining us here, Hot Rod Bob back joining us for uh, our little uh, What's in the News segment and the Hot Rod Bob report uh, with our fancy new music now. And uh, if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know here at Talking About Cars. You can get a hold of us at TalkingAboutCars at gmail.com, and we will uh, bring up all sorts of interesting stuff that you suggest. So uh, don't forget, by the way, coming up, we've got... uh, Uh, Another interview coming up here, which should be a lot of fun. And let's see. Oh, I know what we were going to talk about. So, Bob, what's happening with you this week, car-wise?
2: This week, we got two days of racing at Irwindale. Thursday night, normal, test in tune. Thursday night, under the lights, and then Saturday, the first Saturday of every month, we do a test and tune, but we're going to have some special grudge racing, some match racing, some instant green light go-for-it racing. A lot of money probably going to be side bets in the staging lanes. We don't uh, condone it. I was going to say, is that legal? legal? Uh, You've got to catch the guys first. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, there's bragging rights up for grabs and a lot of records may fall. We we all have set, or we've seen the records being set at Irwindale. We've got a board with the current records on there. You've got to get into the four-second zone to set a record right now at Irwindale. And we've got guys that are coming out to try it. a car just got built, just got finished. He's all over Facebook saying, I'm bringing my Vega, and I'm going to do it. So, you know, let's see what he can do.
1: All right. We'll see what's happening. And for me, of course, I've got the uh... – Let's see. That'll be the 12th annual wounded. It's the 12th annual Wounded Warrior Car Show out in Redondo Beach at the Redondo Beach Performing Arts Center. I'll be emceeing my way with my foot in my mouth, just as I always do. So, if you have a car, especially if a '57 or '56 or '55 custom Safari wagon, it is the unofficial Western. U.S. meat of the custom safari wagons. Come on out and uh, either visit or see all those vehicles that you've never seen before and go, wow, I've never seen those vehicles before. So that's something to look at. No. And
2: that's going to be Saturday or Sunday.
1: That is actually Sunday. Guess what's next? We're going to be talking to the unknown comic. Hold on. Let me put a bag over my head. And that's the Hot Rod Bob Report, here on Talking About Cars! Don't forget, you can find Bob on Facebook. He does a show at 11 o'clock every morning. Man, every morning? And he calls it Morning Gas, G-A-A-S, of course. His website is gotgas.gaas.com and uh, follow him there. And, of course, a show that uh, usually airs on the second Tuesday of the month. It won't be this month, but uh, it won't be in the month of August. But, Probably in September we'll be back for that, uh, called Great American Auto Scene or Gas. Hot Rod, Bob Beck. Now, Murray Langston. You've seen him in a number of roles in movies and TV. He's the guy wearing the paper bag over his head in the gong show with Chuck Barris, and you thought it was just some guy off the street. Well, actually, Murray did kind of walk off the street. I caught up with my pal Murray at the Hollywood show. Uh, Murray, uh, what kind of car would the unknown comic drive?
0: Geez, I don't know. A bagster? (laughs) Would it be called a bagster? I would think, right? Is there such a thing? I don't don't know, but that actually sounds like a good idea. First of all, where'd you come from? Who are you? What are you looking at me for? Why are you talking to me? Get off my back. I'm under a
1: lot of pressure, okay? (laughs) Randy, baby, sweetheart. Yeah, we go way back. This yes, is actually too. we go back, way back when you were uh, wearing a uh...
0: over my head. Yeah, but I could hardly tell the jokes more than one joke at a time, as you remember. Yes, exactly. But that that was just brunch. Now well, I'm wearing a uh,
1: Gucci bag, so things have gone really well. Well, they have gone really well for you. I'm glad to hear that. That's pretty good. So, <laughs> so this is an interesting thought. What is the longest first today? Then exactly. What is the longest amount of time you ever had to wear the paper bag while being the unknown comic? You know, I
0: don't know. That's a that's a difficult question, as are just about any question that I'm asked is difficult. But I would say that. uh, uh, Hold on, I I just had my sleeping bag on there for a minute. Generally speaking, I, I only wear the bag. I do an hour show when I where, work, and I, I do the bag about 10, 15 minutes, and that's about it, and then I take it off, because it is tough to keep on for a full hour, yeah. You
1: don't have any claustrophobia issues, do you?
0: Not anymore, yeah. No, those are all gone. I'm out of the bag, yeah. It, it's sort of a bags to riches story. It was, you know, not bad. Riches, yes. Uh-huh, absolutely. Well, That's <coughs> <Not coughs> easy being in the unknown comic, yeah. Absolutely. One time I got airsick and nobody knew, you know, so, well, yeah,
1: exactly, but nobody would know. Yeah. What was your first car growing up? What do you remember?
0: I actually do remember. I was in the military. I'm a veteran, you know, four years in the Girl Scouts, broken nail twice, wasn't pleasant. No, actually, I was actually in the Navy, 62 to 66. That's how friggin' old I am now. Yeah. uh, And, uh, uh. And, and, and my, it was a 1956 Mercury. With, I bought it for $100 because it had no reverse. Seriously, I was 18, 19 years old in, in the military in Florida. And so I had to, anywhere I drove it, I had to find a place where I could, uh, uh, didn't have to back out. And, but I only, you know, because I was at sea most of the time and I just bought it so when I came back in, I had a little car. That was, my, yeah, because I didn't, growing up in Canada, we, we didn't have the luxury of getting licenses and having cars at 15, 16 years old. But yeah, so that was my first car. But it's amazing since then, gosh, uh, you know, 75, I drive probably about thirty to 40,000 miles a year. I drive the hell out of a car
1: now, yeah. You still have the Mercury? No, no, no. I got rid of that almost two years ago. Two years ago. Well, nice that they see things are working out for yeah, you.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I don't even remember that. I mean, I've been lucky. You know, I. What was one of my favorite cars? Oh, what was that? A little M, MG. No, it was a. Two seater? Two seater little sports car. Triumph? No, they only had them for about three or four years, and I can't remember it now. Gee, it was black, and I used to speed around Laurel Canyon with that little sucker. Wasn't a Miata. No, I'd remember it. Dang. If somebody told it to me, but I. Yeah, and they don't, they don't. if I would have kept it, if I would have kept that car, it'd probably be a real classic, because literally it was only for around for about three or four years, tops, yeah. MG, no. It looked like an MG, you know, those little sports
1: cars. TR6 or something, MG, Triumph, uh, yeah, English car? car? Don't remember.
0: Yeah.
1: Jaguar? French.
0: No, no. It was something obscure, obviously, because I can't remember it. But like I said, if I heard the name of it, I would remember it, but I can't.
1: Not a Crosley. No. That's even too obscure for us. By the way, Murray later told me the car he couldn't remember was a Jensen Healey. But I did own a Rolls Royce once. That's true. Yeah. I remember that. Very few years. Yeah, a few short years. You've actually had more, you actually owned a Rolls-Royce or you were in a Rolls-Royce? Kent sold me a Rolls-Royce. He sold you that Rolls-Royce? Well, Who? I don't remember. It was an older
0: Rolls-Royce. He, I only paid like 25, 30 grand for it back then. Yeah, but it was a beautiful. It was a long wheelbase. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, the, well, two funny stories with that. One is uh, when I started out trying to do stand-up I worked in uh, as a part of a comedy team and we worked at a place called canopos on Sunset Boulevard next to the body shop it's a little restaurant and another uh, comedy duo that used to work there we worked for a hamburger night was Cheech and Chong and uh, so you know so we got to, ha- so we hung out all in those early years and uh, uh, so uh, uh, so anyway, back in those days we were all like, you know, really broke and struggling and all that stuff. And Cheech and Chong obviously made it huge after that. So when I, and, and again, I was like broke as can be. So years later when I got that Rolls Royce from, from Kent, I was driving down Lancashire near Universal Studios and I pulled up to uh, 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 another Rolls Royce next to me and it's Tommy Chong. And we, looked, we couldn't believe it, like, Empteen years later we're both driving those Rolls, mine of course was older, his was brand new. But it was so cool. That that is a funny story.
1: And of course, being uh, Kent Perkins, who is uh, married to Ruth Buzzy, who uh, was in a movie with you. Who, Kent or Ruth? Both. Weren't
0: they in that movie? Yeah, Up Your Alley. I did a movie I I, I uh, produced called Up Your Alley about homeless people. Yeah, Kent played a cop in that, and Ruth played a bag lady, Ruth Buzzy. Yeah, yeah. So, but I did a few movies with Ruth over the years and TV series. Uh, yeah. In fact, first show I ever did. Well, I. My first TV show—I don't know if you know—was was Rona Martin's Laughing. I played. Yeah, uh, I knew you were in it. I didn't know that was your first show. That was my first show when I was a computer operator in LA, struggling to figure out how to get into the show business. And uh, Tiny Tim, you're old enough to remember him.
1: Tip toe through the tulips by the window. Yes. Go yeah, on. Uh,
0: and. Uh, I don't believe I've ever tiptoed through your tulips, though. Thank God for little yeah. things. Yeah, okay. uh, yes. And uh, so Tiny Tim had made it big, and I thought, well, heck, this guy can make it big doing this stupid thing on laugh, and maybe I can do it. So I, I thought of doing this impression of a fork, and, and I was like, a fork. I was like 90 what? pounds then, and all I did was stu- stand there and hold my arms like this. You know, you can't visually see it on. on well, you're holding your arms up, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah. Look, Tyler. Anyway, I called up the Laugh-In show, being totally naive, not knowing you're supposed to go through agents. And I got, you know, I just called up NBC and asked to speak to the producer of Laugh-In. And lo and behold, George Slaughter, who produced Laugh-In, got on the phone. And he said, yeah, hello, this George Slaughter. I said, yeah, I'd like to get on Laugh-In. And he said, really, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working on this impression of a fork. And he said, "Uh, well, come on down tomorrow, round one. Really? Serious. This is an absolutely true story. So I went down the next day around 1 o'clock, and I I met George Slaughter. He brought me into a room with a whole bunch of writers, you know. And uh, they all said, let's see your impression. uh, So I stood there in front of them and did this stupid impression of a fork, and they all looked at me like they were about to fall asleep. And they said, all right, yeah, well, thank you. And and I walked off feeling like an imbecile and, and, and thinking nothing was going to come of this. Lo and behold, next day I'm in the computer room where I work uh, and I get a phone call and it's uh laugh saying report to make up the next day at 2 o'clock and I'll be filming at 3 or something like that. And uh, I went on and I did not only the fork, I ended up doing two other impressions that they wrote for me. One was of a tube of toothpaste and one was of a grandfather clock that day. And Rona Martin introduced me you know, and uh, 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 the, uh, one guy said, uh, 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 what "You have a new act for us today." He said, "Yeah, I got this guy who does the impression of a fork And he said, "Well, where'd you find him?" so said, "What do you mean, where'd I find him?" I was having dinner, and he was next to my plate. You know, and next week he's going to come on and do his impression of a knife and stab himself with himself. Oh! These are actually these are actually jokes that they did. So that was my first job in show business. Uh, 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 paid job where I got to join the union because of that. And uh, unfortunately, because I was on that show, I got fired from my computer job because they wanted me, me to be a programmer and all that stuff, you know. So, uh, anyway, uh, what was the question?
1: I completely forgot, but it's. Uh, and what was the answer then? I think you just gave it. So, as long as we're on that subject, how did you get to the point where you were putting a bag over your head as the unknown comic?
0: Oh, that, yeah. Well, uh, to, well, we got to run through a lot of years very quickly. Basically, after Laugh-In, I, I struggled and uh, worked clubs, like I said, with Cheech and Chong and and, and various other comics. And eventually uh, ended up on the Sonny and Cher show for four and a half years. you know. And then I did a series with Wolfman Jack as a comedy actor, mind you. A series with Bobby Vinton. I did. I ended up doing almost 800 TV shows. And but during that period, after the uh, Sunny and Cher show and a bunch of other shows, uh, I bought a nightclub restaurant in, in North Hollywood called Showbiz, where, inter- where interestingly enough, people like David Letterman started there. He actually lived a block from my house when he first moved to L.A. on Oxnard and he used to do jokes at my club Michael Keaton started at my place He was his real name was Michael Douglas the actress Deborah Winger was a waitress at my club obviously before she made it and uh, Gallagher started a lot of people started at this little club but I didn't know what I was doing and two years later I was broke on my ass and I didn't have a a pot to urinate can I say urinate? Um, I can edit it out Okay, I didn't have a pot to pee, can I say pee? Uh, i can edit that in okay uh uh tinkle can i say tinkle i didn't have a pot to tinkle in well oh, actually i do i have tinkle in fact i think you're tinkling in my pot right now aren't you <laughs> tinkle, tinkle tinkle in, in my, my podcast in my pot in my podcast well you just did so go ahead and uh so anyway at that stage you know sobering up and down i was broken my butt again and uh the gong show had already been on the air like six months. And I found out that if you're in the union, they had to pay you the union scale whether you won or lost. And it was like 250 or something like that. And I just needed the money. But I didn't want any of my friends to see me on the gong show because I'd done like all these TV shows for years. But I was broke again. So I said, well, I'll just go on and do this one show with a bag over my head. Nobody will notice it's me. I'm going to make a quick 250 and uh... and uh... so i went on and i still remember the first show uh... uh chuck chuck barris was the host i, I one of her said hey chuckie you and your wife ever make love in a shower and he said no i said well you should she loves it <laughs> the audience loved that and laughed and then chuck after the show come running backstage to me said hey i love the way you insulted me can you come and do it again See, his, his shrewdness his, his smartness chuck barris was he insulted people, so he he uh, he he wanted somebody to come and insult him and give him vulnerability, and that's what I ended up doing. I ended up doing like 150 gong shows, and I would come on and insult him. Yeah, and that's times 275. 275 times uh, 150. That's over 400 dollars right there. I mean. Well, yes, that's true. At least yeah, at least yeah, or at most. You kind of cleaned up. Uh, I, I I I in fact, I'm still cleaning up.
1: If you would hand me that broom over there, that would certainly help. Do, do you still have the bag, the original bag? Do you have it like uh, framed somewhere?
0: That's a, actually a good question. I, you know, I tried to. Uh, that's the first, by the way. Uh, no offense. Well, a little bit. But it's uh, the first time somebody has asked you that question? No, that's the first time a good question was asked of me. Yeah, yeah, so far in the interview. Wait, what? I'm not trying to put
1: you down. Uh, I, You are standing on a chair now, so I don't know. That's true. Taller than me now. Uh, Do you always do these naked? By the way, well, just just with a bag and strategically located. I just thought I would be kind of in
0: the in the spirit. We came over on different ships, but we're in the same boat now, aren't we? Yeah.
1: And what was the answer again? I don't know, but you know, I should probably ask a car question because this is kind of like a car thing. Oh, it is a car thing. It is a car thing. thing. What are you driving? you know, spark plug should spark
0: the generator would gen, should gen the piston should do th- yeah. things Twi- tinkle yeah yeah and so I do you no know, once again tickling on my podcast but going back to Kent this is a funny Rolls Royce story uh, I had to pick up my niece at the
1: airport Kent, by the way has a bunch of cars
0: bunch of cars but this is dealing with the car he sold me the Rolls Royce he sold me and during that period my niece and her friend were coming to visit me and I hadn't seen them in 10 years or anything like about they were like 13 14 years old at the time and so I was going to go pick them up no my two nieces again 13 14 years old so uh and they thought I was some like big dynamo celebrity in Hollywood which I was to them and maybe 12 other people but anyway so I I said, Kent, why don't we go down and pick them up in my Rolls? And Kent said, Well, hey, why don't I play the chauffeur so we can impress them?
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: So he got the chauffeur out, hat and everything. So we're on the way to the airport to pick him up, and we get a blowout in a Rolls Royce, right? And we're on the side of the road, and everybody's honking at us, laughing at us. You know, Rolls Royce, two guys changing a tire on the side of it. The- so we ended up getting there late. They had been waiting. For a few minutes, for like probably a half hour. By the time we got there, on the curb, so I, I introduced Kent as my Rolls Royce, but I acted like I was really pissed at him. I says, "I'm sorry, we're late, girls, but it, this jerk chauffeur of mine, who doesn't know how to drive, he had a Rolls Royce. I mean, he had a flat tire, and 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 because of the way he drives, and he was said he was trying to talk to me. I'm sorry, sir. Shut up. Don't look at me when you're talking to me." And my nieces, their faces were like, it's okay, Uncle Murray, it's okay. I said, it's not okay. And you, don't look at my nieces either. <laughs> you know, as we get into the Rolls Royce, and mine had that window. Yes. That you could open and close in between the, you know, the long wheelbarrow. Sure. And he would try to look back and again I would scream at him and these poor girls, they thought I was the biggest jerk going, their uncle. Because I would, I, I would tell them not to look at them at any time or me and just shut up and keep driving. <laughs> but eventually we did let them in on what was happening and and they felt so relieved that I wasn't the jerk that I could very well have. Appeared to be. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's my interesting Rolls-Royce story. What do you drive today? I drive a... Uh, uh, a wheelchair. You've been pushing it for the last 20 minutes. Well,
1: I noticed we started to do a tour of everybody, and we were waving at people. I just kept getting closer, and you kept wheeling me away from me. No,
0: I'm trying to get away
1: I didn't know if it was my uh, breath or what. I, I have to
0: take my medication, okay? Yeah. Do you have any extra Viagra? Not anymore. Wait, what? Anyway, uh, no, I drive a 2013 Honda Accord with uh, 140,000 miles on it. And I just had a change. I don't know about car, I mean, the uh, what is it, timing chain? Oil. Oh, the timing chain redone. Two grand. I took it in to get an oil change. Right. So it cost me like two grand. And I asked around, and they said no. I mean, it included the timing chain and a bunch, of, I don't know cars,
1: but a bunch of other stuff. Was that Would that be typical? Timing belt, timing chain, yeah. When you have a high mileage car, you have to have that done. They said after 110,000 miles, you should
0: get it. And they told me it lasted 100,000 miles.
1: Very nice. Exactly. So you don't have a pickup truck anymore? No, no, I haven't had that in years, no. I- Since I, like, blew a tire a- on it? Mm-hmm. I do have a... I mentioned that I, when you loaned it to me once? No. Uh, you loaned it to me with, with Kent and all that, and I borrowed it. I'm trying to remember why, and I had it to my house, and for some reason, it I, I the tire will- kind of exploded and it was flat and I had to get a new tire on it? Oh, no kidding, I don't remember that. but I'm, I'm old. glad you don't pay attention to detail. I, that never happened, by the way. Oh, okay, good. So you didn't catch me. But
0: I, I'm, I'm happy as, as heck with the car. It still feels like a new car when I get in. It was a high-end. You know, the, the X whatever it is. So leather seats and all that stuff. And and GPS. and, and But no, I absolutely love the car. And uh, I, I, I do have a Cadillac. I think it's a 2000. Okay. One of my dear friends passed away and gave it to me. It's only got like 70,000 miles on it, but I never drive it. You know? Gave it to you after they passed away? He died, yeah. He left it for me, yeah. Now, is that is that a good car, a 2000 Cadillac?
1: Does it start? Oh, yeah. Does it run?
0: Yeah. yeah it's okay. It's okay. There's nothing classic or anything?
1: No, usually you got to be in the 80s, 70s, uh, 60s kind of. Thing. Okay, well, you want it? No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. I can just see the wife now. Where are you putting it? Outside with every other car we have? Yeah. How many How many you have? Uh, including the stepdaughter and the stepdaughter's fiance. And then My daughter's car, I'm holding it to oh, it no, four no. for. It's a of cars. How many wives do you have? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, just one.
0: Oh, just one. just one. okay, good. Yeah. Well, you know, with two, you can sing. Who can I turn to at night? Yeah. But that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. You got married just a few years ago,
1: didn't you? Uh, four years ago. Yes. Oh, that's just a few years ago. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, that's just over a few years.
0: Ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, of all the cars you've had, if you ever had a chance to get one of them back, what would it be? Well, that little sports car I had. You can't remember what it is. I can't remember what it is. Might be hard to find. It would be hard hard to find. It was a Jensen Healey.
0: I I don't know of all the cars I had. I was never really impressed. I'm not a car guy. You know, I'm I'm more of a car woman. Depends what I wear. You know, yeah. But uh, well, that explains the
1: sequence. A lot, yeah. (laughs) And that explains the thong. By the way, uh, everybody has one. The list of cars that you would one day want if you could get any car. What is the number one on your list? The list? Now my buddy just bought a,
0: what's the car Perry just bought? Ferrari. He just paid 250 or something like that? Dollars? Yeah, yeah. 250 bucks? Brand new car, yeah, he just got it, yeah. That looked nice. It's a deal. He let me sit in it, really? Yeah. A brand
1: new? 250 bucks for a brand new Ferrari? Oh, 250,000. Thousand, well that's completely different. Is that about well you are know your car guys that a good price for a 2019 Ferrari? Two thousand nineteen Ferrari? That's pretty what they're going for. They're going for okay. I'm told. Yeah. But IU. if I had my choice you know, I'd probably
0: if somebody offered me any car I wanted probably be a, a new Bentley.
1: Bentley? Yeah. I enjoyed that uh, but the smaller version, smaller version of the Bentley. So you're talking convertible, hardtop, well, four-door convertible. Yeah. Oh, convertible.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, Suicide doors. If you're going to get an expensive car. Might as well go for. What would that cost somebody if they got one? More you? than two hundred fifty thousand. It would. So you wouldn't consider getting me one for doing this podcast for you. With the money I uh, make make doing these interviews. Yeah, but you could do payments. You could do a Matchbox you car. You could do payments. You know. Yeah, well, I could do payments. The, uh, wife, the wife doesn't have to eat every day, does she? Okay, what are you doing now? Tell us what you're up to. I'm uh, I'm doing this stupid podcast with you, is, is all I remember right now. I can't remember much further back than this. You know, I said I'm old. You know, It's not easy getting old, you know. Your wife says, honey, come up the stairs and make love, and you say, come on, you know I can't do both.
1: Hey, where's that gong? Thank you, Lumber Village. Murray Langston the unknown comic at The Hollywood Show. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you had a good time like we did. Please share our show on social media. Tell people about it because it's a lot of fun. Subscribe. It's absolutely free, and all it means is... You're going to get the update when a new episode drops. So that's basically what it means to subscribe. Leave a comment, and if you're on iTunes, rate us and give us an, a review. In fact, you can give us an, a review on social media. We'd love to hear what you think. Thank you in advance for helping our podcast grow. Our website, talkingaboutcars.net. Follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Talking About Cars, Twitter, at TalkN the letter N, about cars, and on Instagram, talking about cars. Remember to subscribe, share, or retweet us wherever you are. And again, remember, you could listen anytime, anywhere on radio.com, knx1070.com, and iTunes. Until next time, I'm Randy Crudoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.